Thank you, Jojo, for uh, reading for us. Um, so this morning, we're going to continue our worship service with a time in the Word. Uh, but before I do that, I want to pray for us so that, uh, well, let's ask God to prepare our hearts to receive His Word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that every Sunday we get to gather together. And I was reminded early this week, just hearing different news, how in places uh, all around the world, there are many places that people can even, with technology, gather together. Uh, many brothers and sisters who are, in the, who are in the same faith are isolated, discouraged, and longing to be able to see another Christian in their household, longing to see another brother in Christ, sister in Christ, to worship together. So, God, I just pray, uh, I praise you for just this um, sweet fellowship we can have. And really, God, the only reason why we gather is not just so we can catch up, but to worship, to make your name honored and hallowed, to prepare ourselves to be used by you to, to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So God, will you tune our hearts to the things you want us to hear, learn, and do? And Lord, speak through my, my vocal cords, stand in my body today as I share the word of God with uh, all of us. And Lord, most importantly for myself, we all needed to be challenged, encouraged, and provoked by your word. So, Lord, I pray for the spirit of God to prepare our hearts, take out any hard soils, anything that will keep us from hearing from you today. So, Lord, today, help us not just merely be hearers of your word. Help us to be doers of your word as well. So, Lord, be with me. Speak through me. Lord, be our ears so that we can hear and learn and worship you. And it is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, as you see on the screen, I have uh, a tree in my backyard that uh, uh, recently, because of COVID, I, I trying to take some time outside to uh, to work. Uh, one is because there's so many uh, things going on in the house. All the kids are in school and hands at work, and sometimes it's just nice to be outside. And so this is kind of the view that I see every single day uh, when I go outside and and, and look at them. Uh, this passage was really interesting because as I was sitting there, God gave me two thoughts and I was looking at that tree. The first thought was simply this, that I was amazed how many oranges are in this tree. I was absolutely amazed by the amount of fruit that was on that tree. Uh, because let's to be honest with you, uh, Hannah and I are not the most... Um, green thumb person there is uh, uh my mother-in-law was great at gardening my my dad also loved gardening but for whatever reason uh it skipped one generation so hannah and i aren't really good at planting anything and in fact the last time i tried to plant something else uh like these herbs these basil and stuff it just died and so I was absolutely amazed at the amount of fruit that's on this tree because we don't water it. We don't do anything to this tree, but by God's grace, somehow this season, there were so many oranges. In fact, just a few weeks ago, my dad came up to visit and my family came up. And so he brought back two boxes full of oranges back down to San Diego. And just in just a few weeks, less in less than a month, there are already more oranges on that tree. But there's something else I noticed in that picture. Something, something else that I noticed that, that is, uh, kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, just a little bit because as you look at the picture, what you saw is that at the bottom, there were a whole lot of oranges that are on the ground. 
just like there's so many harvests on the tree because uh, I was too lazy to go actually pick the oranges. These oranges actually just fell, fall onto, down onto the ground. Uh, that would make my dad super uh, upset. It's like, hey, well, he probably would be thinking, how wasteful are you wasting all these oranges? You know, and uh, and it just got me thinking a lot. And and on on more of a serious note, like at that moment, as I look at this and take this picture, really uh, was a reminder for myself how uh, easy it is for us. Oftentimes, when God is doing works in people's lives and God is bearing these fruit of the gospel, how easy it is for us to become like me in the background, just take a look at it and do nothing and let these fruit fall to the ground. Uh, I really believe that in this COVID season, God is doing a work in people's heart. Last week, we talked about prayer, about how we need to pray for God's name to be made known. We talked about how his kingdom, uh, pray that God's kingdom will come, his will be done. And I really believe that God is doing that through COVID. You see, God is shattering all the things that people hold dear to. God is shaking people's life to the core so that they know that what they put their trust in, what they put their confidence in, are no longer working. So as a result, that I really believe that we're entering into a time of harvest, very much like my fruit, my orange tree in the backyard. But the question is, are we going to go and catch those fruit? Or are we going to just let those fruit fall to the ground? See, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Jesus tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The laborers are few. You see, the problem was never about the harvest, whether it was plentiful or not. God had has been working since the fall. But the problem is on laborers, followers of Jesus Christ, who will take our basket and go catch those fruit. And this is really the, the reason why we're launching this series called Bless. Because while we might be thinking Bless is where we have to do a whole lot of things, but in reality, we don't need to do a lot of extra things, but really doing the things what we already are doing with a m- missional focus on them. And so this sermon series is all about blessing people. We, in the first week, we talked about how blessing people means that we're going to reach them. We're going to restore them to what's God's dream for their lives. Not what they dream for their life, but God's perfect dream for a life to be in communion and love and relationship with God and that reproducing in them Jesus' mission. That is the only way for us to have significance and purpose in this life, to live out Jesus' mission in our lives. And so last week we talked about uh, the acronym BLESS. Um, BLESS stands for B-L-E-S-S. Actually, I want to put it on the chat. If you guys remember what BLESS is, type it out in the chat. A, a quick quiz right here. What does BLESS stand for? What does B stand for? What does L stand for? And what does E stand for? And what does S stand for? Go ahead and type it out before uh, I, I turn it into the the the, the PowerPoint here. Awesome. Great job, everyone. Great job. B stands for begin with prayer. We talked about last week how all going to do the work of God, all type of missional living starts with prayer. We need to pray for God to move in people's lives. We need to pray for God to work in our lives to be available, to be people who bring the basket out to catch those fruits. We talked about the idea how God did not bless you to bless you only. Yes, he loves us, he blesses us, but in Genesis chapter 12, we see through Abraham, and it applies to us today. 
that we are called to be a blessing. That God will bless us and make his name great so that there is a reason, there's a purpose that we will be a blessing to those around us. You remember last week I challenged you to put down a, a, a name for each one of uh, a Frank list. Frank with a C at the end, not K. Put down some names that people who are far away from God, your friends, your family, your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors, people who are living around you, your classmates, your coworkers. And, and the challenge of this sermon series is going to be not, not in learning these things. I'm looking at the chat. I see that you guys are doing a great job. You remember all these things. The challenge of this series is going to be living out these simple yet, yet profound impactful practices. Because every one of these, I think you can look at it as, oh, I can do that. But the question is not whether you can do that or not. The question is whether you will do that or not. Just a quick check again. How many of you actually pray? Actually, you come up with the list and with the names in there and actually pray for each one of these people. See, these people are planted in your life, not, not by accident. God divinely, supernaturally placed them around you so that you can be a blessing to. And so we must start and begin praying for them. So I want to challenge you. Bookmark that website that we have, that resource page for you um, on our, our church website. There are scripture there that you can you can pray for your your Frank every day. Because I believe that the going will only happen when we start praying for those of us, those who are far away from God. So that's the first thing we talked about, the first letter. Today we're going to go to our second letter. The second letter is L which stands for listen with care. Stands for listen with care. See, for us to bless the world, we need to bless the people around us, Bring our that God will bring our ways. We need to get good at listening. We need to get good at listening to them. And here's what, what the story of what listening looks like for Jesus. And, and thank you for Jojo for reading earlier in Luke chapter 18. I want to invite you to turn to your Bible to Luke chapter 18. Verse 35, a very brief story, but a, a very vivid picture for us, what it looks like to listen with care. I want to read it for us again, Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 35. Here's what it says. As he, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what it means or what this meant. They told him. Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him and telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's pause right here for a second. Very simple story. But I want to point out something for us, because when we read this, we can easily miss this little detail. Did you know that Jesus did not wake up that morning? Did not write it on his to-do list and say, I need to go heal a blind person. It's very unlikely that Jesus that day said, oh, I think today my to-do list, I need to go heal the blind person. I need to go heal a sick person. Jesus did not intend on healing anybody. He has the power to. But he wasn't intending to say, I need to go find someone to heal. In fact, there, there, that's, that's the reason why in the, in the, in the blessed acronym, there's no H, there's no healing. That's not exactly what Jesus said out waking up in the morning and said, today I must heal somebody. 
In fact, Jesus in this story at this point of his life was actually in quite a, quite a, quite a journey. Early on in the passage, he said he was drawing near to Jericho. Jericho is the last city, the last stop before people making into Jerusalem. Kind of the last bigger city that people will, will stay over, get ready, get more food, and then they will go into Jerusalem. And then in this particular story, Jesus was going to Jerusalem for the very last time. I didn't plan this, but God has this timing. Uh, this is actually right before the Palm Sunday. You see, in Palm Sunday, uh, the back then they weren't celebrating Palm Sunday because, uh, Jesus didn't die yet, but, but there was the day, it was the Passover feast for Jewish people. And in P- Jews from all over, uh, all over the, and uh, and in, in, in all, all different cities are coming into the temple to celebrate, to remember Passover feast. As you can imagine, with me, it's kind of like uh, um, like Thanksgiving. All the family members are coming back uh, to to town and want to visit. Um, is one of those, uh, like think of Disneyland opening back up. Think of Anaheim when summertime, uh, now the COVID is, uh, getting better. They're opening up the park and during summertime, Anaheim is one of the busiest city because people are flying from all over the world to visit Disneyland. Airbnb, Airbnb are booked, all the hotels rooms are booked up and, and that's kind of the image that I want you to have as Jesus are walking into, uh, Jericho before they enter into Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And it was in this crazy uh, time, chaotic, loud, crowded time, that this man, this blind man showed up and was sitting on the side and heard about Jesus. Jesus was walking to town, and this man must have heard something about Jesus, knowing that Jesus had the power to heal, Jesus had the power that none of the, the other teachers and scribes have. And so he decided that if Jesus come by, this might be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me, that I may not see him and hear from him again. So what I need to do is I need to yell loud so that Jesus will notice him and do something and heal him. And so because of that, this man was just yelling and saying, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. But here's the amazing thing. All the people around there, and I would imagine even the disciples, were telling these guys to be quiet. It's like, shh. Stop yelling. Stop bothering Jesus. Jesus coming through. He's doing his thing. Stop bothering him. And, and But instead... This blind man yelled even louder. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. One of the amazing things we see from here, this story is this, that Jesus heard the man's cry. Jesus, throughout his life on earth, always hears the cry of those who are in need of him. Jesus has this innate ability to hear from those who are crying out, who are in desperation, needing his help. And Jesus, even in the midst of this crazy uh, hustle and bustle in the chaotic town, hear this blind man on the side of the roadway crying out to him. When everyone is telling him, shh, stop. Jesus can hear the cry of those who are desperate for him. Because that is the way how Jesus serves and minister to those who are far away from God. Jesus was never too busy to hear. Jesus was never too busy to listen to them. 
In fact, Jesus' heart is so attuned to the cries of people, he instantly responded to it like a mother would do to a baby. I remember when uh, when we when our boys were a lot younger, we were babies. I remember uh, Hannah, my wife, just have this innate ability to hear the baby cries in the other room. Like it will be in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, and while I'm like conking out and 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 snoring away, like she will just wake up and say, "Oh, the baby is crying." And in my kind of dazed mode, I'm like, "No, the baby's not crying." But as you know, the baby's crying, and she would go and pick up the baby, and lo and behold, the baby is crying. I don't know what it is about mother. They, they have this connection with the baby that even they may be on the other side of the house that the baby was crying. Mother, mothers just have this ability to hear, to sense it, and then go and care for them. And that's what I believe Jesus has for those who are far away from God. That who are people who are willing to cry out to him out of desperation to be rescued by him. Jesus heard them. But here's the second thing we see. Jesus did not just hear them. Jesus actually stopped everything and called him to bring him over. Because continuing in the in the text, it says this. Jesus asked him a question. Jesus in verse 41 says, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God see Jesus did not just say oh yeah I heard him and uh, yeah whatever Jesus stopped everything and commanded to bring that man before him and here's what's so amazing is Jesus did not just heal him because when you read this this is just a garden variety of healing story that Jesus has done all throughout the gospel isn't it some man, a guy was blind. He can't see, call out to Jesus. Jesus healed him. The end of the story. That's kind of how it goes normally. But in this particular instance, the story captured a, a very important part that we need to pay attention to because Jesus did not just look at the blind man and say, you need healing, heal you. You're healed. You know what Jesus did? In verse 41, Jesus asked him, a question. Jesus asked him a question. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? It got to be a really strange question to ask because if I were Jesus, I know what this man want, want from me. Right? I mean, the guy was blind. What do you think he's asking Jesus to do to make him have sight again? That's very obvious. This is some sort of like build up so that when Jesus did the miracle, then it will be like a fireworks coming out and kind of, kind of thickened the plot a little bit. So Jesus asked question. Why did Jesus ask that question? What do you want me to do for you? When it is so obvious what that man wanted from Jesus. I believe the reason why Jesus asked is because Jesus is the type of savior that listens to people. See, Jesus did not presume or assume that this man wanted to be healed. Instead, Jesus asked a question. Jesus asked this man a question, what do you want me to do for you? 
Jesus didn't assume that uh, I, he knows, even though he is the son of God, he could have easily known what this man wants. But he asked this man and said, hey, I want to, I'm listening to you. What do you really need? What do you really need from me? Jesus engaging in a relationship with him. Healing was not just a project, a check, a to-do list for him to check off to do, but he was engaging in a relationship. I think we all know how important listening is in relationship, whether it is with your friends, family, or even with strangers. Because I believe all of us probably, whether we have done it to somebody else or on a receiving end of some of somebody else of not listening to us. It could easily be in a, in a restaurant when you pre-COVID, you're eating, dining out and, and, and dining in and people, and the waiter, you, you're talking to the waiter, but you know that waiter is not listening to you. His eyes was looking across the room. He's worrying about everything else and you're telling him, Hey, I want this food. I want, I would like this, uh, this French fries done a certain way. I want, I don't, I cannot have peanut. You're telling him he's scribbling things, but you know, he's hearing you, but he's not listening to you. And you feel like, man, this, what, what's wrong with this waiter? Or perhaps you have done it to somebody else. Maybe your mom was talking to you. And you give that typical answer. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And after all five minutes of your mom talking to you, you haven't listened to one word that she said. And even as spouse and married couples, we can easily do the same thing. Oh, yeah, I got it. Sure, yeah, I know what you said. But when in reality, we have not listened to one another. We live in a world where listening doesn't happen a whole lot. You don't believe me, just go online, go on a social media. Many people are eager to tell people something, but not so eager to listen to what other people have to say. We are more interested in making our opinion known then actually listen in to what people are saying are going through. So we're so easily waiting to talk that we're not listening to what other people are sharing with us. There's a saying that says the opposite of listening is not speaking, is waiting to speak. Just give, try it out next time when you're talking to somebody, you're looking to them eye to eye and you're talking to someone and that when, as that person is talking, notice what you're thinking. Notice what you're doing. You're probably thinking, what should I say to that person? How am I going to respond to this person? And that's not listening. That's just waiting to be, to, to speak on your, uh, on, so on your turn. It's really interesting. One, one of the things that I got to do during COVID is, um, one of the, one of the things I, I get to do on, during COVID time, a little more time, I, I sign up these master classes uh, online. And uh, two of the more interesting ones that I've been on is called, uh, is called the art of negotiating, negotiation and uh, the art of sales and persuasion. Don't ask me why I, I do those classes. Uh, I, maybe I'm just trying to win some arguments at home against, uh, Hannah or persuade her to do something that I want. So, uh, but never, but, but I, I find those guys super interesting. And if you go to these classes, you're thinking these two topics, the art of negotiation and the art of sales and persuasion, you must be thinking, I'm learning how to talk better. I'm learning how to uh, persuade, like you have to use words to convince people how can you negotiate to get an upper hand on the deal. But what amazes me in both of these classes, Majority of that class is not about what you learn, how to say, what you can, how you can convince someone. A bulk of the class is about how to be a better listener. 
In both of these, they talked about the, the people who actually can persuade people better, actually can win negotiation. It all starts with being a good listener. When you listen well, then you can talk well. When you listen well, you can help people to see your point of view and share with them honestly. That would become a win-win situation. I think the same thing is true for us. When we talk about blessing other people, when we talk about reaching other people, when we talk about reaching the people who are far away from God, our first instinct traditionally is learn how to talk to them. Learn what I need to say. We need to prepare the four gods, uh, the four spiritual law, the, the bridge. We're learning the methods of talking. How can I, maybe I'll learn some apologetics, how to defend my faith. And we're thinking a lot about talking. And while all those things are super important, I'm not saying that those things are not important. Our emphasis are often on just what to say and what to tell. And perhaps that's one reason for many of you what keeps you from wanting to evangelize and reach other people because you feel like I'm, an, especially you're an introvert. I'm an introvert. I don't want to talk to people. It makes me anxious to even talk to people. And so when we think of evangelizing and telling people, reaching people for Christ is just about telling people what we miss is what we miss is we miss the other half of what it means to reach out to people. And so instead of just concentrating and learning how to tell, how to talk, and which is important, because you cannot share the gospel without using words, without talking to people, but the other half of it is just as important, that we need to learn to listen with care. Just like Jesus in the story, Jesus did not just go ahead and do the thing and kind of tell him, but Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? And then Jesus listened. Jesus listened to this blind man. What does he really want from him? See, if we are to embrace Jesus' missions in our lives, we need to learn. We need to be intentional about listening. Michael Frost is an author and also a pastor in Australia. He had, in his book, he has a story. Uh, that I find it very interesting. He tells a story about a missionary team, missionary team who went to India. They brought with them resources. They brought with them a lot of, uh, uh, programs and supplies and they went to this remote village and they went to talk to them and they asked, they did what Jesus do. Uh, they did what Jesus did. They asked them, what can we do for you? They told this village, we can build you a, a clinic, a medical clinic. We can build you a school. Uh, we can build a water, a farming system, a watering system for you, a sprinkling system. We can do we have resources and, and supplies. that can do almost anything for your village. Now, what do you want us to do for you? And then this remote village is in, in a poor part of town. And obviously, they have, have a lot of needs in the village. And to the surprise of the missionary team, the people in the village did not ask for a school, did not ask for a water uh, irrigation system, did not ask for a a, a a a clinic. They didn't ask for any of that. You know what they asked for? They asked for a mailbox. And the missionaries were like, wait, what? I can give you a clinic and we can build you a school. We can do all sorts of things that you obviously need in this remote, poor village. But all you wanted is a mailbox. Why? 
And later on, these missionaries found out the reason why they needed a mailbox is because in India, you only get a mailbox when you are assigned a zip code. And because of this village being so far away and so poor, it was literally like a slum in India. The government did not see it as a actual place where people live. And so therefore, they did not assign a zip code to them. And because they did not have a zip code, they did not have a mailbox. You see, these missionaries would have easily bypassed all that and said, oh, I can give you all these great things. But what they really want is to be known, to be recognized as people. Because in the eyes of the government, these people are not people. They're not people worthy enough to be assigned a zip code, assigned a mailbox. See, these people want to be known. These people want to be seen. These people want to be heard. And in the same way, when we listen to others, when we listen to those who are far away from God, when we listen to their stories, when we listen to their needs, when we listen to what's going on in their lives and ask the questions, what can we do for you? And listen in. What we're really doing is when they're heard, then they feel known. And when they feel known, they, they ultimately feel loved. A lot of people in our society are not heard. A lot of people are yearning to be known for who they really are. Many are thirsty of a love that is unconditional. You and I can be an agent of that love. Christ's love to these people. And this is what Jesus has modeled for us. We need to first listen. So the question is, what do we listen for? What do we listen to? What do, what do we listen from this people, from the people around us, from our Frank list? For every name on your list, on your Frank list, they are yearning to be listened to. They're yearning to be known. They're yearning to be loved. And it is up to you and I to go and listen. To ask questions, to listen to them before we go tell them about Jesus. So for this week, a practical tool I want to give you is this. There are four things that you can listen to. Four things that you can ask and listen carefully to that will tell you what the person is going through. These are summarized in 4H. First H, you can listen to simply this, the history. The history of that person. Where did that person grow up? You can ask a person, where did you grow up? What was your upbringing like? Tell me about your, 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 your story. Tell me about your culture if they're from a different culture. One of the neatest thing that we get to do, uh, Hannah and I get to do several years back was to, uh, to minister to serve her coworkers where we hosted a lunch at her workplace. It was a genius idea, uh, that we get to talk to and meet, I guess, especially for me, meet her coworkers and bless them. And what, and what we did was over Easter time, well, r- around Easter, we, um, cater food at her workplace and we have a conference room and we invited all of them to join us for lunch. And in the, during lunchtime, for that brief time that we have, we just post a question for everybody. What is your Easter tradition at your home? And your, what's your family tradition for Easter? And many of them, we get to hear stories of how many of them actually come from very uh, spiritual background or religious background. And they've done something in Easter 
And that helps us to hear their upbringing. That helps us to hear their spiritual journey, their story. People have a history. People have a story to tell about their lives. And so let's ask them, what is life like? Perhaps for our immigrant family, what was life like when you were in another country? How has it been here? So the first H is history. We can ask and learn about their history. Here's the second H. Not only the history, their heart. Their heart. What do you like to do? People love telling you what they like to do. What is your passion? What are some hobbies that you have? Why do you love doing these things? What's your favorite team? What's the favorite restaurant you like to go to? Your boba shop? Ask your, ask your, your classmates. Ask your coworkers. Where's the vacation spot that your family love going to? What do you do on your free time? For those of you who like gaming, what kind of game you like to play? Why do you love doing all these things? What do, what do your families do on summer, uh, during summertime? I remember one time when I was with, uh, my kids, uh, during the kids, my kids basketball practice, I was talking, trying to strike up a conversation with one of the dads and, and I didn't really know him much, but uh, somehow the topic uh, came up about basketball. And so we start, I start asking him, Hey, why do you, when did you start liking basketball? And, and he started telling me this whole story, how in his, uh, uh, when he was young, he always wanted to play in a team. He always wanted to play, but he was never good enough or, or, nor did he have the opportunity to do so. And as we talk, I just hear this passion and love that this dad have and wanted to see his son to have an opportunity that he did not have. And just give me a glimpse of why this dad sacrifices lunches during the week so that he can bring his son to a practice and, and be able to be on a team. I hear the love that this dad has for the son and give me an opportunity to bless him. And hopefully in the future, I can continue to breathe the gospel into our conversation. There are a lot of things that people love to do. Ask them, listen to them. Here's a, not only do we listen to the history, we'll listen to their heart, but also their hopes. What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What's their dream job? What's on their bucket list? What do they want to do before their lives is over? What is something that they wish they could do? Talk to them, ask them. Because in every one of these hopes and dreams behind it tells you what's at the core of their yearning. We have an opportunity to get to know a couple uh, who don't know Jesus yet. And still today, we're praying for them. Uh, but in our conversation and a time with them, one time after lunch, they stayed around our house for hours and we get to talk to them. And we just see their hope and dream to see it, to bring up their children. To be good people. Contributing members of the society. They have this genuine heart that they want to see their children to be mature adults. And they share with us. And then over that, they start asking us how we raise our kids. And we share with them uh, how, G- how we want to raise our kids to be like Jesus. And so in that conversation, in, the, in those few hours, we get to hear their passion for parenting. And, and we get to leverage that and share with them. We also want to see our kids to be loving, good people, but we want to do it not just because it would do good to this world, but we want to do it because we want them to to experience the love of Christ and be compelled by the love of Christ. And that's continued to be most of our conversation with that couple. Anytime there are things about parenting comes up, they will, we will talk and, and we'll have an opportunity to talk to one another, text one another. And so this continued to be a way for us to bless them 
and share with them about Christ. All of us, no matter in what situation we're in, we all have dreams and hopes. Some might suppress it deep into heart because there are too many pains and disappointment in their lives. But at the core of it, we all have that. So let's ask. Let's listen in and see how we can leverage that to, 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 to bring the gospel and bless others. Here's the last one. Not only do we have history, heart, hope, but also their hurt. We live in a broken world. I appreciate Katie leading us in a word of prayer earlier for what's going on in this world. There are sins, our own sins, other people's sins, brokenness, evil that continue to exist in this world. I don't think anyone can walk through life without having some sort of scars in their hearts or even visible scars, physical scars in their lives. And so often people have no place, no space to share about their hurts. And sometimes the most missional thing we can do is to be a listening ears to someone who's suffering. And perhaps all they need is, some, is someone to sit and to listen to what they've gone through. Well, I was a, uh, a uh, ministry staff um on campus at UCLA, one of the things I did was uh, bring a notebook and carry around on campus. And I will um, do co-contact evangelism, meeting strangers. And one of the things I did was I, I would ask, I would open up this old empty notebook and ask people, would they be willing to write down a question that they want to ask God? Like if if they can ask one question to God, what would that question be? And the only condition I have for them to 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 write on there is one is it has to be a genuine question. It cannot be just a makeup question, just to be funny, but a real question. And the second condition is they have to explain why. And you'll be amazed on a secular university how many people are willing to write that. And and as they write the question and as they explain to me why. Over a long period, over almost every question behind it, there's a story of pain, of brokenness. People who have been hurt by church, people who have been hurt by Christians, people who are wondering why, why things are the way they are in their own lives. And so people have pains and hurts that want to be shared, and they're wrestling to find answers to. And perhaps you and I can be the conduit to listen to them and leverage them and point them to Jesus and say, hey, there is a hope in your life. Yes, things must be tough. What you're going through is is unfair, is unjust, but there is a Jesus. There, He is the answer to all the struggles that you're going through. I want to share with you uh, three clues that anytime you hear these phrases, it should trick. Hopefully, it will trigger in your mind to leverage your conversation, to listen in, to lean in, to ask more questions, and look for opportunity. To bring up Jesus. There are three not clues. Every time you hear someone say, I'm not doing well, it is time. Every time you see, I'm not doing well, I'm, things are not going so well. Those are the time that you need to press in and ask, what's going on? What's not going so well? Lean in and to listen, ask questions, be curious. The second not is this, not ready for this. I'm not prepared for this. I'm not expecting this. Those are often moments when people are got caught are caught off guard of what's going on in their lives. They feel lost. They go, I'm not ready for this. I, I'm not expecting this to happen. 
those are moments where they are, they're, they, they're unsure what's going on. And those are the place and moment that we need to lean in and ask them what's going on. What's going on? How can I help you? So anyway, I can come alongside to support you. Ask more detail and listen in. And here's the last one. Whenever, whenever you meet someone, I'm not here there. That means that they just recently moved over to this, um, city, to this town. They're looking for community, looking for friends, looking for people to connect with. Those are opportunities for you to again, listen in, to befriend them, to bless them with the love of Christ in their lives. Every day we get an opportunity to listen. And I want to encourage you, listen daily. Listen to God every morning and ask God, who can I bless? Look at the list, your frank list, and say, God, as I look at these names, who can I bless today? Who can I go and listen to? Who can I go and ask questions and get to know better? You don't know where to, what questions to ask. We post it on the, on the church website and the resource you see here. List of questions. Uh, in fact, these are adapted from uh, Dave Clayton, the person who's, who, who, uh, who wrote the devotion that we're using in this sermon series. These are questions that you can use, hopefully help you to get to know and listen better to those who are, whom you live with, who you play with and who you work with or go to school with. And so I want to encourage you, keep this, bookmark this page, and every day look for opportunity to listen to those who are around you. In his book, Jesus is the Question, Cobehaver, the author, make this profound observation. Jesus asked 307 questions throughout his life on earth, uh, his ministry life. In three and a half years, he, in the gospel recording, there are 307 questions, but he answered only three. He asked 307 questions, I answered only three. Jesus listened with care and Jesus loved the people who are far away from God by listening and leaning in so that these people would feel heard feel known and feel loved as he shared the good news about his own life to them. So as we carry out our God's mission this week, let's do that. Let's begin with prayer. Let's commit to praying for them. Let's commit to listen to them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for our time in the word. God, we're so thankful that you heard us. You heard us. For many of us who are followers of Christ in the moment that we needed you most, we cried out and said, Jesus, we need you. We surrender our lives. We want to have faith in you. And you heard us. You heard our cry, the cry of our hearts, and, so, and you answered them. And so, Lord, there are many others in this world are yearning to need to make that same profession and surrender of life to you. So, God, help us to be the good listeners. Help us to go lean in to what people are going through, their history, their hurt, and their hope, and their hearts. So God, thank you for modeling for us what it means to be a good listener. How in this, what seemed to be a passive activity, can be a so, such a powerful and effective way of living out your mission in our lives. So thank you, Jesus. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. We're going to take about about 10 minutes in your small group to to process some of the things that God has placed in your life. And then when we come back, uh, we have we'll, we'll we'll respond by singing one more song. And also we have some really important announcements afterwards. So please stay behind. And uh, it has to do with next week with our Easter service and Good Friday. So let's break out into our groups for uh, several minutes. And then we'll rejoin again as we worship together.